from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Today, I'm joined by Sarah and Samantha, who are authors, life coaches, public speakers, and co-founders of Never Be Average. They spent a decade climbing the corporate ladder, following the path of security, safety, and society's definition of what it takes to have quote-unquote made it. Uh, They found immense success through their passion for the personal development of others and their own drive to be the best. During that time, they also faced real-life challenges that include marriage, divorce, unhealthy friendships, being held at gunpoint, losing a career, infidelity, and betrayal. What they have learned is that life is always going to happen. What makes the difference is how you respond. They left the comfort of their corporate careers to found Never Be Average and help women unleash the power within themselves. Thanks so much for being here, Sarah and Samantha. Thank Thank you. So it's so great to be with you here. I love when I have multiple guests on the show because I have to guess who's speaking at one time and I get to play this game of like, uh oh, which one is it, Sarah or Samantha? But I'd love to just jump into your stories a little bit, kind of mention, you know, the corporate world and how you both found your way out of that and towards where you are now. Because I think so many people uh, who are probably tuning in right now are sitting there at work or maybe on their way to work or way home from work and thinking, man, you know, I really uh, don't want to be average anymore and would love to take it up a notch. So how did you both find your way out of the corporate world and uh, find the courage to to truly, uh, you know, grow into the people you've become? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely was not an easy process. And, you know, when I look back over uh, the the last 10 years when we were climbing the corporate ladder, you know, majority of the time we were extremely happy. I mean, we um, promoted a lot. uh, We invested in our people. We saw results. We made great money. And for both of us in that decade, we thought, this is great. We're just going to keep doing this and we're going to climb the ladder and and we're going to retire at a certain age and we're going to go down the path that everyone goes down. And and it seemed very easy. Um, but then, you know, life kind of happened. And that's where in the, the things that we talk about with marriage and divorce and being held at gunpoint. And, you know, in that process, you know, we jumped different corporate jobs from losing a career. And and when those things happened, we still found the passion for our jobs, but our 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 own true self started to change. And so what happened was we about two years ago, Um, As a hobby, we just started writing advice columns for women on our own website that we designed um, just to kind of fuel some inspiration and some creativity. And what happened was we completely found this fire burning passion. We call it like an itch you can't scratch. And what happened was when we would go to our corporate jobs, we felt like we were put into a box and we kind of had to become a version of what somebody else wanted instead of the version that we were becoming. And in our corporate jobs, what led to immense success was our ability to lead and develop people. And it became more of of a personal growth seeing others grow. And so when we kind of put our hobby and our strengths together, and then we found this passion, it became something that we couldn't stop. And so at that point, you know, we founded Never Be Average and and it took off. We started seeing us in different countries and today we're in over 90 countries. Um, And then the brand just started to evolve and we were touching people around the world. And, 
And at that point, it became pretty much a second full-time job. Uh, and we decided, you know what? This is our calling. Let's take the leap of faith and let's see where this crazy adventure takes us. Um, because there gets to a point in someone's life when they find their purpose or their calling or their passion that unless you go after it, there's nothing else. You, you have a void that you're just not going to fill unless you go after it. And so the risk became worth any any regret that we would have basically if we didn't go after it. And I can totally relate to having that sort of void that needs to get filled once you get that taste of, uh, you know, who you truly are uh, turning into, you know, it, becoming that person. Once you get a little taste, you really have to keep running with it. Um, and, and, you know, that's where I was, too. When I was discovering so much about myself, I took a break from life, from work, travel hacked around the country for two months, and I loved it so much that when I came back, I talked my roommate into a 3,000 mile road trip, and I was like, you're coming with me next time. So I know exactly what that's like to be so motivated and inspired to keep going once you've gotten a little ounce of that. Um, and you both have an interesting story because you didn't necessarily leave the corporate world because you were dissatisfied. It was more of that you found something that that really struck a chord with you and uh, and you really just wanted to run with it and see where it could go. So how did you build up that courage to leave something that that was so comfortable, um, you know, that that was working for you in a sense? Uh, because many people want to leave because it's not working for them. So it, it's it would be interesting to hear your story of how you know you built up the courage to, to really finally take that leap and build something that could sustain you. You know, without being worried of financial issues, um, without being worried of you know your happiness and where that's going to go. So for us. <clears throat> Um, the way it really happened was, you know, through all those other things we talk about that happened during that time that we were working in the corporate world, you know, the real life things that nobody's exempt from. Uh, Sarah and I, we came to this place in our lives, both separately through our different things that had happened, you know, kind of hitting our breaking point and waking up saying, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And that had nothing to do with our job. That had everything to do with our satisfaction or our overall happiness with just life itself. And through that, we both entered into this world of, you know, self-help. And we started along this journey of, you know, we call it getting high on self-love. It's really hard initially to face, you know, who you are in the mirror and then break down all those walls and build that person back up and find out who you really are underneath all those layers. And so through that time of, you know, we watch a lot of motivational videos, read a lot of motion, motivational books, follow a lot of motivational uh, blogs and, and listen to podcasts. We got this sense of feeling, you know, this need every day to get better and better and better for our personal growth and development into this place that we couldn't stop. And, you know, in our jobs, you know, we both held the same position for a very large financial institution and we loved it. I mean, we loved our teams that worked underneath us. We loved working for our bosses. We made good money, you know, before we left our jobs is actually going to be both of our best performing years yet. So we were going to have our biggest bonuses and, um, you know, it got to this point where we were building this personal growth passion along with doing the website for women which helped it even more and we were seeing the result of what we were preaching essentially because we were implementing it into our own daily lives and and it was just this moment of oh my gosh like women need this they need this help through the things that are happening when they're not at work or you know the things that are happening when they are at work the things that are happening behind closed doors the things that hold people back from living their purposeful life and we got to that point and it was just 
because we continue to feed ourselves every day we went to work we loved the people who were there but it felt suffocating and it got worse and worse and worse it was so strange because we went from absolutely loving it to feeling so suffocated and you know fortunately we have each other to lean on for support and you know we just looked at each other one day and it was like we we have to do this the time is now and you know people thought we were crazy or they you know they love our passion but how could you leave you know even leave your bonuses why wouldn't you wait another six months to at least get paid out and you know it's that fire burning that calling that you know came out of nowhere for us and it was like the, the time is now it's now or never you know, you got to take the leap of faith or let it wait. But if we want to live our best lives and we want to go out and, and help other women to do the same, we got to lead by example. So you, you brought up this thing that you said, you said getting high on self-love. And so I'm sure this is a huge part of building your own confidence. And I'm willing to bet you probably weren't loving yourself 100% if you're saying, oh, man, we've got to get out of here. Um, maybe expand a little bit more on, you know, what what are each of your definitions of self-love? Uh, and, you know, how do we start to work our way into that so that we can love every aspect of ourselves? Because, you know, I've looked in the mirror so many times and I've still seen uh, that former overweight kid that I was, you know, when I was a teenager. And it's so hard to uh, transform myself into a person who can love that person for who they were because that person got me to where I am today. You know, that that's there's a process that has to happen there to make that change. Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, each of your definitions of what self-love is to you uh, and then how someone could go about uh, loving themselves more than they already do. You know, this is Sarah, and, and for me, self-love is feeling worthy, and there's so many things in society to make you not feel worthy, and then even just in life in, in general, and, you know, for my own, my own story is, you know, when I, the times that I excelled the most in my career was when my personal life was completely in disarray, because I, that was my identity, and so because my home life, um, was disruptive. I was um, put down a lot. I was not made to feel worthy. The minute I walked into the corporate doors, I was praised. I was uplifted. I was, that's where my identity happened basically. And, and what happened was when I went through my divorce, um, my career started to fail at the same time because I just didn't care about anything. I didn't feel worthy that I to be married anymore. And then I didn't want to, I felt like the praise was false in the corporate world. And so what happened was when I was left with just myself, I realized that that, that job couldn't fulfill me anymore. And I was lost. I didn't know who I was in, in my marriage and I didn't know who I was without my career. And so at that time, that was one of my biggest rock bottom moments and I didn't feel worthy. And it took about five years after that of, you know, again, I had great success because I plugged myself into the next career and I didn't really get to the root cause. And the root cause was Sarah didn't know who she was. She found she found um, her worth in material things or recognition or things like that rather than self-validation. And when I really started to find myself and, and use the tools and the resources that are available to basically fall in love with yourself, I realized that this broken broken girl was worthy of so much more and the only person that was telling me that I wasn't was my own self. And so basically when I got out of my own way, I realized how powerful 
that I am. And then once also too is once you really start to get high on self-love, you're not going to have any negative um, aspect in your life. Basically, you can't live a positive life with negative influences in it. So, you know, my whole circle, um, my environment, everything started to change. My friends uh, changed. Um, uh, certain situations that I put myself in changed. My relationships changed. And what happened was my life started to have some sense of a purpose. And then I realized that I'm unstoppable. If I surround myself with the right people, if I wake up every morning knowing that if, if anyone else can do it, then I can do it too. And then if I have the right support system, you know, that's really where the self-love is. I love myself so much that I'm not going to allow anything that doesn't make me happy, whether it be a relationship, a career, um, a, a habit, an addiction, whatever it is. I'm not going to allow anything that doesn't make me unhappy because I realize what happiness is now. So why is it such a scary thing for people to, uh, you mentioned, you know, diving into figuring out who you are and how it took a little while because you had jumped to a different job and you know obviously that didn't change things and i've heard from many people who just think oh if i just move halfway around the world it fixes everything when really the problem is right here you know between our own ears um you know is that a scary thing to dive into and how can you uh you know overcome the fear of of jumping into really uh sitting there with that person absolutely you know samantha and i discuss a lot about you kind of mourn the old person, the old version of you. I mean, I mean, when you when you completely change your life, you it's like any life changing event that you go through. You become a different person, so you kind of got to mourn those insecurities or that 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 thought process um, or things like that. And so that's like the biggest piece is once you can get past that, though, you're never gonna feel that way again. And we write, you know, we we wrote a book. Um, called So What Now? And, and that's very much, you know, you go to these um, women's conferences or you go to um, a retreat or a seminar or something like that and you feel so motivated and you're like, yes, I want change, I want change. And then you leave and you go back to your normal environment and you say, well, so what now? Like, what do I do? And and we really talk about, you know, understanding your weaknesses, getting honest with yourself, um, being vulnerable. And and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big step but once you take it, then you really understand your boundaries and you understand what what's your trigger points. And then you're basically out of your own way. And so it can be scary, but it's not as difficult as it seems. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and I think part of it, too, is giving yourself permission to explore that area. You know, oftentimes we think that it's not OK to do that because of how others have treated us, you know, I know you guys have, have both gone through uh, unique circumstances where it might seem as a point of weakness or, or really just not okay to dive into that area, uh, you know, whether that be through, you know, marriage, divorce, unhealthy relationships with people. Uh, I'm sure a lot of that has a big impact on whether or not uh, you can quickly make that decision and jump into um you know, almost like jump into the, the passenger seat next to that person and say, hey, where are you driving? I think it's a, it's a lot of that. It's also the world we live in. You know, the society we live in sets up such, such high expectations for, you know, what it is like to live the perfect life. And even through social media, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on us to, you know, live what everybody else's life looks like. And, you know, for me, 
my story and what I struggled with was was being a pleaser for everyone. You know, I, I made all the right decisions to set myself up for success in the future. I'm always the logical person. And, you know, I always put everybody else first. And that's what you're told is the right thing to do. That makes a good person. And once I had gone through enough in my life where it was overwhelming, I was in my first year of marriage. I had gotten a promotion at work and I was newly responsible for more people who needed me. Um, and then my sister was going through some real struggles. Our family was struggling and I got to this boiling point where I realized, oh my gosh, Samantha has needs too and I can't handle everybody else's needs anymore. And that's when my self-love and self-help journey started. And I learned that, you know, for me, self-love is, is diving into that, breaking down all those walls and learning, you know, what are Samantha's needs and desires? And I think it's really hard, like you say, with other people, um, especially being a pleaser is, you know, once you start to dive into that and you start to set healthy boundaries and expectations around the people who are in your lives, whether it's, you know, your parents, your significant other, your friends, your coworkers, um, you know, people are used to you being a certain way and, and they're not going to like it at first. And it's really difficult. And I think that's for anybody going through the, the self-help or self-love journey is just getting to a place where it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what other people think. You can appreciate their opinion respectively, but we always talk about this, you know, one of the best pieces of advice we ever got, and you know, this goes to leaving our corporate job to pursue our passion was, if somebody's not trying to do what you're doing, or if somebody's not trying to live the life you're trying to live, then their opinion doesn't matter. You can hear them out respectively, but at the end of the day, you know, they they can't tell you what's best for you. So I think it's that, that extent getting to that place where you accept that other people don't know how to live your life best for you. So if somebody gets frustrated or somebody gets upset with you or you're struggling, like those are the, their feelings and they're not your feelings. And I think the biggest part of self-love is understanding that you have to choose yourself first. And the reality of choosing yourself first is it's not selfish. It's selfless because when you choose yourself first, then everybody else gets the best part of you. Uh, I couldn't agree any more than that. I mean, I've definitely been someone who always wants to help others and work with others. And I've gotten to uh, those points of burnout where it's like everyone's asking so many things of me and I'm not asking anything of myself anymore. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, do you have any practices that you're putting into place, whether it's throughout your day or throughout your week, so that you can you know, create that space for yourself to, whether it's have silence alone or to just eat that lunch that you really wanted instead of uh, what's in the fridge, you know, going out, taking care of yourself. Uh, do you have things that you've set in place, whether it's through the day or the week that allow you to really take care of yourself and, and hone in on, you know, just me time? I have a lot of best practices now, but I would say for somebody who's struggling with it initially is you need more help than just little things you do throughout the day because there's that real struggle with guilt and your mind can really control you. And Sarah and I say a lot of times, like the only thing that happens is we get in our own way. Nobody else is in our way. We get in our own way. So mm -hmm. for me, starting that journey, you know, I read the book Boundaries by Hen Henry Cloud and John Townsend, and, and that really helped me. You know, I sought therapy for it and I continued to read self-help books 
and motivational things to get to a place where I understood why it was so important to choose myself first. I think that's the first step. And then after that, there's just non-negotiable. So, you know, you take it slow and it's not a, a victimized thing. And when you learn to set healthy boundaries, you know, it's something that takes time. And so, you know, we talk about this in our book a lot too, about setting healthy boundaries. And I think that's the first start. And then once you have done that, you found your voice. So, you know, each day you're going to now understand the difference between saying yes, because you feel like you have to do it and saying yes, because you want to do it. I think that's where I was at. I had this bitter taste in my mouth whenever I said yes, because I couldn't understand the difference anymore. And so once you help yourself and you get to that point, um, you know, that's the things like when you get up in the morning, prioritizing, okay, for me, exercise is an important way to start my day. So I'm going to take that time to go to the gym. And then everybody who needs something is going to be after that, you know, or I, and I wake up and I read motivational things to set myself up that I'm in control of my day. So whatever life's going to throw at me that day, I have a well enough mindset now, mind, body and soul that when something comes at me, I can distinguish is this best for Samantha or is Samantha doing this because it's best for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know what it's like to be in that position where you really have to question, you know, is is this something I should do? And it can be uh, a scary thing to say no to people, especially if it's people that, that you love or you really care about. Um, that can be really, really tough. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's talk about never be average. Let's share a little bit about so what now, you know, where are you now that you have both made these huge changes in your lifestyle, uh, in your careers and in business. Uh, you know, what does life look like for you? And, you know, if you could go back, would you change anything or tell your younger self anything that, uh, that you know now? Okay. So there's multiple different answers in this. Um, where we're at right now is we have our hands in so many pots. So Never Be Average is a brand. So our website, you know, we have a lot of blog on there. Those are our advice columns. Um, and then we also, you know, we have our book. We also do speaking. We just finished speaking at um, a handful of high schools uh, last month. And then, you know, our biggest thing is, is our is our coaching, our life coaching. And um, and then we write for other uh, publications that helps draw a lot of um, traffic to our website, which, again, then leads to coaching clients and people that want us to speak and, and book sales and things like that. But if we were to go back and tell our younger selves, one, we would definitely still take the leap of faith, 100%. Um, and then, but two is there's, you can be so overwhelmed with information and it seems so big and so like far stretched basically. And so you have one, one basically goal that you want to do. Let's even just say build a website. And if you go and Google basically build a website or on YouTube, you're going to get 50 million different ways to build the website. So my advice would be start small and make sure your goals are really celebrate those small victories and don't get so caught up in the big picture because you'll eventually get there. I mean, when we took the leap of faith, we literally just had a website. We didn't have any coaching. We didn't have a demo video for speaking. We didn't have all those things. But if we focused on the end result of having those things, we would have gotten lost. And so what happened was by taking time, we were able to slowly let, let the brand evolve the way that it's supposed to. You know, everyone, when they find their passion and their purpose, 
you got to really find out what it's designed for you. And sometimes we get so caught up, and we've done this too, in what everyone else is doing, basically your competition, I guess you could say, when really you have to understand that there's no competition at all because everyone's designed specifically for a specific purpose and it's different. It may be in the same genre of, of what other people are doing, but it's still specifically designed for you. And I think that took us a minute to really understand that Never Be Average started because we started it. It didn't start because we saw what somebody else is doing and we wanted to do it. And so the biggest advice that I would have given us then that we have now we now understand now, and still, it's still sometimes challenging, is really get back to the core of why you started and what your brand is and why it's different than everyone else's, basically. I think that's excellent. You know, really diving into the core of who you are and what you really desire is going to lead to the breakthrough that you really need to to get to where you want to go. Um, that's something I've experienced over and over again. I think that it's so important to jump back to basics. I mean, I, I remember back when oh, wow, this is something I don't think I've ever admitted on the podcast. But I used to uh, be a bowler. I, w- I would go bowling and I would compete uh, on a fairly high level. And one of the things that my coaches always said that, you know, when I get frustrated, had a bad game was go back to basics. And it's crazy how simple it is, but how effective it is when you go back to the basics and go back to your core. It's amazing uh, what happens and what comes out on the other side. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been an excellent conversation. I know that we could go on on so many different stories, but I'd love to hear, you know, maybe just real quick as we round things off here, uh, being held at gunpoint, that's a very big deal. That can be almost a life-changing scenario in many cases. Um, I'd be interested in just hearing that story real fast and, you know, maybe your one learning lesson that's come out of it and, and impacted you the most today. Yes, um, absolutely. This is Samantha, and it was actually my sophomore year in college. And, you know, like I just said previously, I made all the right decisions in life to set myself up for success. I was the perfect child. I was the perfect friend. I was the perfect sister. You know, I made all the right decisions because I was going to make sure that I won. So, you know, I got the right grades. I set myself up to, I was going to go to school for four years. I was going to meet the perfect man, get the perfect job, live in the perfect suburban town. Everything was going to be perfect. And I I was a sophomore in college and um, my roommate and I were actually walking to another apartment complex or another apartment in our complex on New Year's Eve. And we ha- when we had left the house, you know, typically I was the one who always took my keys and my purse and everything, make sure we're safe. We did everything together. And, you know, something told me that night when I went to grab my purse, don't take it with you. And I turned to her and I said, you know, do you mind if I don't take my purse? And normally, because I always harassed her, she'd say, well, you always make me take it. But she didn't. And so we left the house, a car drove past us very slowly. um, And she thought that was really weird. She's like, Samantha, you know, they were staring at us. That's uncomfortable. And I grew up in a place that no crime ever happened. So I grew up in a bubble, essentially, you know, you only see that stuff on TV, you know, or in the newspapers. And I'm like, no big deal. Let's just keep going. So we're walking and, you know, there's some guys trailing behind us. It's New Year's Eve in an apartment complex. I mean, that doesn't seem weird to me in a huge city. We were in Sacramento. 
And she's like, they're following us. And I'm like, no, they're not. Let's just keep going. And they were getting closer. And the next thing I hear is, what do you want my purse? Take it. And I turn around and one of the guys has a gun to her side. And, and she looks at me and she says, what do I do? And I'm like, give him your purse. And two more guys, uh, and they were dressed in dark sweats and had bandanas covering their mouth. So you couldn't see anything. They had stopped us in between two apartment complexes. So there was no lights. And the other guy's walking towards me and he says, give me your purse. And I said, I don't have a purse. And he shoved his gun in my mouth and he said, you know, shut your mouth. I don't want to hear anything from you. And uh, they took her purse and then they let her go. And the two guys blocked me off. And, you know, I thought for sure in my life, I was like, God, please take care of my family. They're going to take the a car was driving up to pick them up. It was the same car, of course, that had drove slowly past our apartment complex. And, you know, I thought they're going to take me, they're going to rape me and they're going to kill me. And, and my life is over. And she was about 50 yards ahead, looked back. And I looked at her like, I love you. I'm never going to see you again. And, um, you know, at that moment, everything was over. Everything that I had planned was over. And, you know, it was divine intervention. It was like the space was just created between the two guys blocking me off. And they didn't say anything. And I just started walking forward. And, and I was able to get out of there. And that night, um, you know, I moved away. I couldn't stay there. And, uh, you know, my life was forever changed. I woke up the next morning and it was like, wait a second. I've always made all the right decisions. I've always done everything right. And why is this happening to me, I was, you know, covered in sweat, having anxiety and everything I had planned for myself was gone. And I think, you know, for that, that was the the time where I went through depression a little bit for a while and, and questioning. But then I woke up one morning and it was like, wait a second, you know, these guys, do I let them take the rest of my life or do I move forward? And I decided that day that, you know, I was going to take control back. And although I had everything planned that maybe that wasn't the best plan for me. And I took a risk and I moved up from California to Washington to finish my schooling. And, you know, here I am. So... Yeah, and I think this really goes to show that uh, no matter the, the circumstances, you have control over not necessarily the circumstance, but the way you react to it. And I think it's so amazing and such a testament to how much power you have uh, and courage in yourself to be able to make that decision and say, you know what, am I going to let this hold on to me for the rest of my life or am I going to take you know one step forward and start moving past this and get to really where I want to be. Uh, and I think that that takes a lot of power and courage. And this has been such an amazing conversation here. I'd love to share with everyone, Sarah and Samantha, where can they find out more about your book? Uh, where can they check out your website and learn more about your stories? Absolutely. So you can find everything on neverbeaverage.com. We have links to um, our book, uh, and that's Amazon Kindle. Um, we also have a ton of advice um, material, like over 90 on our blog section. Um, and then our social media handles are on there too. So really neverbeaverage.com is where you can find us. We have our email there and we answer all emails that we get. Um, but we love connecting with the community. We love helping people. And um, yeah, so you can just find us at neverbeaverage.com. Well, thanks so much for being here, Sarah and Samantha. Is there any sort of final words of wisdom or just last little tidbit that you want to leave the YOP audience with? I think it's exactly what you stand for. Make this your year of purpose. You know, take that leap of faith, whatever it is for you, even if it's just to start making small steps towards, you know, living the life you were designed to live, which just means finding your happiness. And, you know, don't waste any time. If you live every day for tomorrow, you're just going to have a bunch of empty yesterdays. So make this your year of purpose. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks so much for being here. And I can't wait to keep in touch with you guys.
Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Zeph. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted. scripted